On this episode of Two Dudes in One Cart, John and I sat down with Joel Para of Just Eponymous Designs. We've met Joel through the internet, and he's done plenty of work for us over the years, whether it be for ball markers, bag tags, you name it. He does a lot of work with clubs, he does a lot of work with kids, and an exciting announcement for Joel is he is now a fitter for Sub-70 Golf. If you're not familiar with Sub-70, you better go check them out. Wonderful company, great customer service, and just like Joel, they're down to earth and they're ready to help. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Two Dudes, One Cart. Joel, John, how you guys doing tonight? Hey, Steve, how's it going? I'm alive and well. I'm just trying to think of all the clubs that I sent to Joel over the past couple <laughs> of years, and they just turned out freaking awesome, and I love the stuff, man. Glad to have you on. I appreciate having me on. So, Joel, give us a little bit of your background as far as as far back as you want to go and how you got started uh not only in what you're doing now but in the i think it kind of intertwines with the company you work at your your uh your work with sub 70 um and just kind of you know all that to give everybody a perspective on on uh on what you do yeah so it, real quick if we go all the way back my grandpa got me started playing when i was about five six years old um and it's grown from there um i worked with um nancy bender first tee hook a kid on golf here in uh northwest indiana um played at every level um i was actually a uh, volunteer instructor at the age of 13 for hook a kid on golf um and actually still to this day still am volunteer instructor for first tee on weekends when I can still with Nancy Bender at Creekside. Um, absolutely love doing it. So like golf's been a passion my entire life. Um, I love the instruction, the, the numbers end of it, the engineering end of it. So that kind of worked into my work life where, um, right now I'm, I work for technical and HEF USA. And it's a metal treatment company where we're doing metal treatment, platings, and coatings for um, metal pieces in many, many industries. We do a lot with firearms, uh, medical, uh, industrial, welding, automotive, sporting goods. Um, it, it's it, it's a very wide field that uh, we do stuff for. And since working there, I was able to create a black um, QPQ type finish where it's a uh, metal treatment versus a plating or coating that's going to go on the club head. Uh, give you that black, nice, deep black look and actually last. Um, it took quite a while. I had to play with a lot of the chemistry of the times and that sort of thing to be able to get a result to where it gives us the good look we want but still be able to put it on a loft live machine and bend the club and fit the club um, without getting any micro cracks or anything like that, that you can visibly see. Um, so like it all kind of started testing with um, sub 70. I literally called Jason out of the blue said, Hey, I've played your clubs. So I like them. Uh, you have an issues with the black finish. He was doing a PVD at the time and it just wasn't lasting. 
So propose to them, Hey, if you're willing to send me some samples, I'm I'll, I'll run them and work with me on this. And he was graciously nice enough to do that. And uh, to this day, we're still doing the black finish for sub 70 and it's, it's gone from there. We're doing a lot of stuff with a lot of other companies as well. Um, I, we do a lot of the custom work for a lot of the custom club manufacturers and refinishers and that sort of stuff out there too. So just so everybody knows, you really can only do the uh, QPQ on four style clubs and can you do that? Can it be done on all putters or just the, uh, like a milled putter? So the QPQ finish has to be some sort of a ferrous metal. It has to have iron in the metal itself. Um, so like if we're looking at a big directed force lab putter, the big spaceship looking one, that thing's made out of aluminum. There's no iron in that metal. So it, will not do anything in the chemical process of a QPQ. So with that, we did electroless nickel on it. Um, so gives you the silver look. Um, so it, it kind of depends. And the other thing is, is we were doing testing with sub 70 on the 699 series, the hollow headed mm-hmm. that, that metal does have iron in it, but the problem is, is the sub 70 and their manufacturer would fill and plug the hollow head with that foam before we could do the finish. And we've been trying and trying to do that before they fill it, but it it just, they won't, the manufacturing process doesn't work that way. Um, Because if I put that hollow headed that's sealed in our chemical bath, it turns the head into a hand grenade and um, nobody wants that. The pressure no. builds up inside and literally explodes the entire club head. Yeah, definitely not. And so basically the only way you'd be able to do that, if they were to send you the pieces, you would then do your treatment. Then they would have to send them back. And then I'm, I'm assuming that you're going to have some kind of uh, uh, probably a finish issue with that, of how they assemble that with the foam, right? Or do they shoot that? Yeah. Okay. That's it's something with the how the foam and everything is put in. Um it would mar it too much. I think they put them in a jig and it, it would mark them and it, it just wouldn't be a good finish to, for the you know, end customer. You're going to pay 800 bucks for a set of clubs and they'd have marks on every club head. And can't have that. So, yeah, you, de- you definitely don't want, to, you, de- you definitely <laughs> don't want that look on your clubs. No, no, not at all. So John, uh, tell us how you're, your clubs turned out. Joel did what did Joel do engraving on yours and blacked well, out your wedges? So we started off with my um, Newport, Scotty Cameron Newport putter. Um, I bought it off the secondary market. I just wanted to go back to a um, a blade from my even roll. And I believe that it is stainless. I don't know if, it, if it's 304, yep. 316. I don't know the alloy. Um but it had a milled, milled face finish. Uh, obviously, they do some milling on the backside. And he got that blacked out for me. He did. Uh, yes, I just told him, like, here's my putter. I want a black putter. And he, I was like, whatever else you do with it, I don't really care. You know, I actually sent him a new grip, uh, one of the Pistolini grips, and said, here you go. And he's like, all right, just tell me your favorite color. I was like, green. 
you know, a month later, I get my putter back and it looks brand new. And I finished today on that putter. I mean, nothing's changed to it. It looks the same as it does. It might have a little dirt and stuff in it when I slam it in the ground after three putting four times in 18 holes. But <laughs> besides that, it looks good. And then um, we did that uh, golf trip out to Palm Springs. And I was like, man, it'd be nice. You know, we're all spending a little bit of extra dough going out to Palm Springs. It'd be cool to get like some ball markers and some uh, divot tools. So he made custom divot tools, uh, you know, that said like, Palm Springs 2023 golf trip, have everybody's name on the ball markers uh, and the divot tools. And it's just like stuff like that. And they're, they're heavyweight. They feel good. They don't get dinged up. Uh, and then he's like, dude, I got this laser. Yeah. Shoot. Like, <laughs> you know, I was like, I got these, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland wedges. Um, see what you can do with them. I sent them to him and he's like, what do you want on them? I was like, I don't really care. You know, as long as they say Loffy somewhere on them, like, I'm happy. Got him back, and he put, like, the uh, Monopoly guy on there. He uh, put one thing on there that I don't like. It says stick it close uh, because that hasn't worked yet. Those things are not sticking it close. Uh, oh, but I think that might yeah. be a user error. We got to fit you better, then. That's what. <laughs> that that might be it. And, and work on that swing a lot more. Yeah, yeah, that too. So, Joel, is is that listed – on your site as far as what metals you can do, or is that something that somebody really just needs to talk to you about and say, Hey, I've got X and I want Y and Z done to it. Can you do that? Or do you have that stuff kind of listed out? So, well, going back the uh, business, my wife has is the just apotomous for the, it started with just the dots for all the launch monitors. And it is, taken off like crazy we actually just started supplying dick sporting goods and golf galaxy and pga superstore and true spec and club champion uh and the list just keeps going and going and going um i think last year she ended up doing 12 million foresight dots alone let alone all the other ones for all the other launch monitors how how did i don't know if you've ever told me this but how exactly did that come about that she started doing those dots so she had the vinyl business um just while she was in school and everything and a guy that i had played high school golf with owns a training facility and asked hey i have nine foresight bays and the dots are killing me there there was four dots in every club and he's got people going through all these doing training with 10 clubs at a time he's going through 40 dots every hour on nine bays and through foresight i mean they're charging 50 bucks for 100 dots and he's like it's killing me he's like there's got to be a better way so he knew she had the business and we worked with some of the vendors and everything and did testing over there and sent pieces all over the world to different um, friends and, and connections and people that I knew growing up, people she knew growing up and that sort of thing and tested in different lighting conditions, environments and worked with the, the supplier for the material. And we've actually done like reflective studies um, of how the light reflects off of it versus like the foresight one and it took about a good year 
but uh, got the material just right, then you start manufacturing the dots. Yeah, I mean, the um, R&D process had to have been crazy, getting that it, dialed in. It was, uh, yeah, the, the material is one-off, literally ordered just for her business, made just for that. Um, and, and it's and has developed all the other ones for the flight scope, for the trackman, for the new Rapsodos, for the new Unicors. Um, literally, if there's a, a marker or a dot in there, we do it. That's sweet. I mean, I know you sent me, I think, a hundred of them uh, when I had that Bushnell set up in the garage. And I literally yeah. put two dots because um, I primarily practice with a pitching wedge and a seven iron. In the original two dots that I got from you last summer, I think it was like June or July, mm-hmm. are still on my club and haven't came off yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I practiced through those through all rain, sleet, sun, and even some snowy conditions. And it's it's nuts. Like they just don't, it's not a cheap material and the adhesive on there. It just, it lasts. I mean, I get the water scraper and soap them up and let them soak and they stay on. Like if you want to peel them off, they they peel off easy. But if you want them to last and stay on there, they're they're money. Yeah, they're they're not going to go anywhere. It's a very industrial grade in, adhesive and everything that was used for it, and that's what we were looking for was something that's going to last and not come off from swinging a club, you know, 115 miles an hour. Um, but yeah, from there, it's uh, gone into all the custom work too. Uh, we got the fiber laser. Uh, custom clubs, custom ball markers, pretty much doing a, a ton of different stuff. We've gotten more of the uh, tins. But back to your question with the different clubs, um, honestly, just shoot an email in. There's too many clubs on the market to actually make a list for them because each one of them, I have to look and see and make sure there's like not a tungsten plug e- exposed. So like the, um, remember like the old AP2s? Right, that little tungsten plug right on the on the toe. Mm-hmm. Throw that in the bath. You're going to get that club back, and that tungsten's going to be melted out and gone. Um, so those, unfortunately, can't do them. Um, and just there's there's too many models and different variables to say, hey, I can do X, Y, and Z. If it's forged blade, ninety nine point nine percent of them, no problem. Um, I just did a set of Betnardi wedges um, that are sitting here on the desk. Um, we got some, <laughs> I, you guys remember the old Ping ISI irons? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. From like 20 years ago. I got right. two sets sitting here. We're refinished all of them, but they're now black. And uh, going to do some crazy cool lasering on them with that little star uh, on the in the cavity on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to have like a Star Wars theme. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> That's awesome. Even though you can't, uh, let's say you can't black those, but you, I mean, you can still infill, clean up the clubs. Oh, yeah. Are, are, you, adju- are you adjusting clubs as well? Yeah. You guys, uh, whenever you're up here, come by the shop. We just finished the insulation in the walls and everything. We got a whole facility right here where it's a full simulator with GS Pro, um, over a thousand courses, all LiDAR. Um, I have all the tools set up now to do custom fittings um, from loft and lie adjustments, lengthening, shortening, 
Um, I have got the grinders out there now for custom bounce on wedges. Um, so if you wanted to come get a full set of wedges fitted, I'll put you through the paces. We'll get you the, the bounce set up for how it feels and reacts for your swing. We'll refinish it so you don't get any of the, you know, when you grind a wedge, it looks like hell on the bottom. Right. We'll polish all that up and refinish it, and you get a wedge that's custom fit and looks brand new. Don't tempt us with a good time, bud. You, you don't know what you're <laughs> The other half of that building is a gym, so that's the other yeah, part of it. So. Yeah, we don't need that part. You had us at Grinder. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can do all that. Yeah, I just I want I just want to get all that information out there so when people are listening and then uh they know exactly everything you can do. It's it's just not oh well he can't black these out. I don't want to send them up there. It's, it's it's not just that. I want everybody to realize that you basically have a, a full shop right there and can can virtually do just about anything they need. Now are you yeah. are you in a position to where Somebody says, "Hey, man, I'd I'd really like to come up and get a you know a full fitting." Or, or is that something you're doing, or is that more of yep. a future plan? So I don't have like the fitting heads and stuff, just because the amount of capital is crazy to right. get all the different shafts and grips and interchangeable heads and that kind of stuff. Literally, just later this week, uh, what I've been doing and having a lot of guys do is you find the club that feels good for you. Um, I had one guy who was, he loved the feel of the Strix on irons. He went and got, I'm going to call it quote unquote fitted at a local place. And just from his swing speed, I could have told you that they had no idea what they were doing. Um, they put him in what they had in stock. And I, his driver speed was 90 miles an hour and they put him in an extra stiff Ventus black shaft. Like why, why would you do that? So I, he brought him here. We swapped out the shafts. They were actually a three quarters of an inch too short. We got those adjusted the loft and the lie went through a whole bag mapping, which we can do on, on the simulator it takes about an hour, hour and a half. Um, and we will adjust everything to get, your windows right for all your clubs. When he left, he had clubs that he could make the nice, easy swing with. And honestly, when we do the bag mapping, I got a little bag tag that I'll write all the yardages down and we'll laser it up for you. And I'll say, okay, pitching wedge, this is your average 140 yard carry or whatever it is. And do that for all your clubs. So you got something right on your bag to reference. Okay, I'm 150 out. My nine irons, one fifty-five. So, there you go. Now, when you do that for me, would you mind not um, lasering that my nine iron goes one ten and my pitching wedge goes one forty-five? <laughs> I mean, if if you know, I'll put whatever club you want on there, but you got to know which one it actually is. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's nothing wrong with a solid bladed pitching wedge, John. <laughs> <laughs> one of my farthest clubs in the bag. <laughs> So Joel, where do you have where do you see yourself going in the industry? I mean, I I don't know too many people like yourself that seem like they have their hands in so many different things. Where where do you see this progressing or or what would you I guess if there was a dream scenario, where would you like to be in say the next, you know, 
three to five years with everything you're doing? Good question. Honestly, I love doing the custom work, doing the one-off stuff, getting the creative with the laser, with the custom fitting, with all that kind of stuff. So um, have you guys seen Anthony Toronto from uh, Callaway? He's got a really cool Instagram. Um, He's their custom guy who does like all the wedges for all the tour pros and celebrities and all this kind of stuff. Um, And he shows building each club and doing the custom colors and that kind of stuff. That would be kind of like my dream job. (laughs) So, I mean, we're kind of on the way there. So if, if I had to say what I want to do, that would be it. Well, I mean, you, I mean, man, just since the time I've, I've known you or talked to you, you've, I mean, you've progressed pretty quickly into different things. <laughs> so I, I don't put it past you to be there. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm always looking for new ways to do things and new, and I like testing stuff. So if like, well, I'll look at something and be like, I wonder, and then if try it and if it works great, if it doesn't, eh, you tried. <laughs> So is there anything new and exciting that you that you're working on now whether it be uh something new with the laser um and then the other part of that question is when you're doing these like with those pings when you're doing those clubs are you doing anything to to the actual grooved face of the club So I'm working on settings and the spacing and everything to use the laser to regroove a club instead of a, a, an actual mechanical tool to regroove you can get a lot more precise and like you know if you use that tool that you get from you know the golf store for 25 bucks to regroove more than likely it's going to take it out of like a tournament grade spec to right. make the grooves bigger di- deeper i can with the laser controls all that a lot tighter tolerances so if you have it set right I can still keep it within tournament grade specs, but still get the grooves back to uh, a depth and a sharpness of like a brand new club. We're not quite there yet. Um, I got a couple wedges here that have been test pieces. I could hit a, an old school pinnacle with this face. It's going to rip the cover legit right off. They're, they're a little over sharp, but uh, um yeah, that's one thing. And uh, a couple other things we've been working on is photographs in metal. Um, take a picture and be able to laser engrave a picture into steel or brass or some sort of metal and actually get really good resolution and quality of that picture. So we'd be able to do a lot of like kind of commemorative and special like one-off things for a lot of people oh that sounds awesome i'm already i already know two pictures i want we just got back from naples and my buddy uh shout out to tex lawson took a very nice selfie in the shower Uh, (laughs) i would love to put that on three wedges for him uh because that (laughs) face was uh very unique and one of a kind uh but i could also see making it making gifts for people as well as like Picture of you picking up, you know, the face you made, holding up the ball next to you on your first hole in one with a wedge or whatever. Right, right, right. That, that'd yep. be awesome. 
I'm trying to picture this. So you're actually cutting into the metal with the laser in the groove portion, not necessarily like not. So you're controlling that depth. So I can see where that would be an issue is how far you're, or are you just kind of cleaning the edge of the, the grooves that are already there, if that makes sense. So that's where it gets a little bit more technical. I'm using a laser that has a certain focal point. I have to put that focal point right in the middle of that groove. So where it's worn down, the laser will actually sharpen that edge. But then it, by the time it gets to the bottom of the groove, it's out of focus and it won't do anything to the metal. So it keeps the depth in your tournament regulation depth. And it literally scans the whole face. And I mark it out to where the grooves are. And that's where it's putting more powers on the edges of those grooves. It, it's, it's a very precise process there and, and getting it right. That's, I haven't got it perfected yet, but like I said, if you got the, the club head just turned slightly and the one I got sitting on my desk here, like literally you can run your fingers over it and it feels sharp to the, to the touch. It, that's just cause it was turned a little bit and those lines were not exactly where I needed them. So how long does it take you to do one wedge face? And then I just, I, I assume you, you're just, you know, you kind of create somewhat of a jig, set that in there mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, get the, get it, get the focal point on the actual groove itself and then work from that point. Right. Yeah. So you have to lay it out for that model. So like, you know, Cleveland, face is a lot different from a sub 70 face once i have it laid out that's kind of the most time consuming thing the laser itself is pretty powerful um to do the whole thing five ten minutes of actual lasering time oh wow yeah so it's probably just all on that setup getting it indicated in setting your zeros making sure it's flat and the setup being well you also have to like make sure this face is flat and once you have the jig set just right in the head set just right i mean that that's where you're looking at time and doing the uh programming setup is time consuming so that's where your time comes in but once you have it set for that club the the laser itself the actual running of the laser they're pretty quick yeah i I just asked because you know you get a lot of guys i mean we me and John know several guys that are like, you know, I like SM7s or SM8s, but I didn't care for the SM9s. Or they then they, you know, the SM10s are coming out and they're like, ah, I'm not really a fan of those. But knowing that ability, somebody could say, hey, Joe, I'd like to, you know, send you these, my three SM7s, if you could clean them up, you know, because basically that there's a lot of changes in that from you know uh right. model for for Volky and a lot of its uh you know balance or weight moving the moi around but you know really if if you're playing those well and you love those wedges i mean this is a a low cost alternative i would imagine to send those to you and say hey can you do these three wedges and you know you may have yep. them for a couple weeks or whatever once uh once I have the formula set up to do the the face just right without getting like you know the the sharp to the touch and keep everything in spec, yeah, then it and, and I'll get there. It's just it's time consuming getting the the process set just right to keep you know 
tournament specs on on grooves and everything because i mean it'd be super easy to make them super illegal and you, you'd be able to spin the ball 150 feet back um, yeah i'm i'm gonna edit that <laughs> out because me and john are sending you some wedges <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah just, I, i've never been able to spin them so i'm like yeah this is not a bad idea well oh, yeah so I, I'm guessing that uh, who has the cross cuts? Is that is it Cleveland or is it uh, Callaway that has the cross cuts and the grooves? Those those would probably be the most difficult, I'd imagine. So yeah, um, there's a couple of companies out there that have like the little micro grooves between the grooves. From a engineering standpoint, and how I've seen them react with like all the launch monitors and everything that I've worked with, it's marketing. <laughs> Um, I honestly don't see a huge improvement. Um, I mean, if you hit it dead solid in the center every single time, because you know we all do, there's not a massive improvement. Honestly, the best improvement I see is keeping the damn grooves clean. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, but wasn't it? Was it Ping the one that came out with the? extra line or an extra set of grooves on their clubs so ping did a really cool thing they put this um hydro glide in their finish to help repel water because repel water will cut your um it takes your coefficient of friction way down right so that takes your spin way down um so if you could repel that water and get it out from between the ball and the club and like it doesn't take much do on the grass will cut your spin by like 40 percent. they put that in the finish on the chrome finish and i haven't dug into it but it it, it worked <laughs> well and i i read the uh even though people don't really care much for uh, my golf spy and and their reviews but from the numbers they put out, Ping was the only one that managed to keep. I I don't I don't want to say it was it was close to ninety percent of their spin out of the rough, out of wet grass. Even when they were putting water directly on the face with the robot, it was still holding its spin. Yeah, the, whatever they put in that finish, it, it's like a hydro has a hydrophobic effect on it, and it, it's like putting rain on your windshield. That water yeah. is just gone. And I, I feel like if somebody puts out information about their clubs and what they can do, generally, if it's ping, I often believe it just, just because um, of how much money yeah. and time they put into and how, you know, they just don't fire out clubs. They, they've been doing it a little bit more with driver, with driver technology, but they really don't, you know, they're not like, uh, you know, whatever, say Taylor May, that's, you know, it's in Callaway. They're just pounding you every oh. seems like six months with new clubs. Yeah. They got something new every six months and the actual engineering improvement, you're less than 1% different, but it's, you know, $500 more because it's the new model, but it's a hundred percent marketed better. Oh, it is totally, totally. Let's talk a little bit about, and cause me and John are, um, often we discuss about, you know, charity and about doing things and this, the work you do with junior golf and helping out with the first tee that, that to me, that, that is huge. I think that's, that's the big thing that's missing in golf right now. You know, once kids get to, I don't know, 15 and they get into high school, you know, a lot of high schools now that hell they have track man 
bays and stuff for high school golfers. But that that window from say six to fourteen to fifteen, you know, you're kind of just feeling your way through on your own right now. And how did you get? I mean, I know you got involved when you were young, but how do you? How have you seen that grow over the time? And what do you think? Uh, you know, like me and John, or what anybody could do to help the awareness to help a junior golf, or or where's the the best bang for your buck as far as donating money or putting time in to help expand junior golf, whether that's boys, girls, or what have you. Yeah. Um. So. I, over the years I've seen, you know, I saw the big tiger boom. There was tons of kids coming in cause tiger was the biggest thing And I've seen golf, you know, kind of get smaller after he was hurt and everything. And now I've seen it come right back and it, it's been fun to be in the industry for more years than I want to say. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's really been cool to see all these kids come in and like, the big thing I've seen is when I was a kid, the focus was on technique um, and everybody had the same technique. Now in lessons, you work on the fundamentals and athletic ability. So it's like you go look on the PGA tour, you know, you see all these different swings not two pros have the same exact swing. So really from like the teaching standpoint, I, I right now we have, I have a couple students in first T that play three other sports and they are just hugely athletic. So they get, you know, for them to turn the hips completely facing completely back towards me behind them. That's absolutely no problem for them. Um, whereas when I was a kid, they would always, you know, say, okay, my kid's seven years old. They're going to play just golf. Cause that's what Tiger Woods did. Well, unless you're in the gym working on flexibility, let them be a kid, have fun, um, run through the woods, do other things to get moving in every other aspect. And then if they love golf, we, we work on getting their swing perfected for them and enjoy the game. That's the big thing is I've, I've seen some of these young kids get so stuck on, Oh, well, I, I gotta be win five tournaments by the time I'm 15. Uh, are you having fun? That's the, the big thing. Are you enjoying the process and, and the game? Cause that's what it is. It's a game. Um, and, and keeping it fun for them. So like when we do have like a first tee class, we'll do a, a game called knockout. It's a putting game. And you, you go, you're starting and you're hitting 20 to 30 foot putts on in a 10 by 10 area. And you're trying to hit these colored balls. So you're focusing on a spot smaller than a hole. And I set up a, a line like two feet behind all these balls. And if you go past that line, um, well, if you hit one of the colored balls, you get to keep it. And at the end of the game, whoever had the most balls wins. But if you go past that line, you're going to give me a ball back. So you're working on speed, you're working on accuracy, but it's a big competition between, you know, five, 10, 15 kids. Um, but I mean, to help like grow the game from 
like an adult standpoint for us, it's if you got time, anybody can honestly help with like first tee tournaments. If they want to donate to them, there's a local first tee chapter in I think every county in this state. Um, and I've been in touch with the whole first tee of Indiana chapter. Um, I've had guys donate sets of irons to me. I'll do some crazy custom finishes on them. And then we put them up for auction and hundred percent of the proceeds goes to the first tee of Indiana that helps fund all their programs get the equipment out to these kids. Cause, um, a lot of these kids will come out for the summer and say, Hey, I want to try golf, but I don't have $500. So they come out here. The first tee provides them with clubs, balls, bags, greens fees, everything. And once they know that this is what they want to do, we work, I work with them with a lot of the other guys um, throughout the whole foundation to get uh, clubs into kids hands for really affordable, if not free so they can enjoy the game and learn with it and grow with it. Man, that's, yeah, that that's amazing. Yeah. That, that just sounds awesome. Um, do you think it's possible? Like we were, Steve and I were talking earlier with our, our buddy, like I got a bunch of like sets of clubs out in the garage. Like I'm sure that the first team would like to have those donated to them. Oh, no doubt. No question. Um, it, and honestly, if you just go on the first T website, it'll tell you where the local chapter is, what club and who runs it and say, Hey, I got these clubs. I'd like to donate them to your, your group here. If kids need clubs, they can have them. It, and the instructors and the people that run each facility will be beyond excited because it, it awesome. just, it doesn't happen very often. Well, I think uh, with everybody that we know in the golf community that we hang out with, play with all that good stuff. Like, I think if we can just share that with them, because all of us, I mean, Steve, how many clubs total do you think you have? Uh, I, I, I'm going to plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah. Your, your wife might listen to this. I'm single and not married. So let's say I probably have, two sets of irons, a mixed match of woods, wedges that are just collecting dust. You know, you can see them at Goodwill, but it's like, I think what I'm going to do after we get done with this podcast, probably go on there and find my local chapter guy and say, where do you want them? Yeah. I don't, I don't have, I don't have too many sets left, but I kind of do that here in my neighborhood or, you know, if I get, if somebody's got a yard sale and they got clubs, uh, whether it's, here any neighborhood i normally message them immediately and i get them and i've i've probably given away i don't know 10 probably 10 sets this year um i've had some small junior sets and some of those the little whatever they're not i forget they're called they're not little tykes but they're the real short clubs i found some of those and given them to kids that want to try it out and they're you know if the parents say hey what do I do if he doesn't like this? I'm like, well, either give them back to me or just, just pay it forward. Don't, don't take them to goodwill. Just, you know, let me know or let somebody know and you can take them and drop them off, whether it's at a driving range or, or whatever, you know, keep moving it. Um, but I, I really didn't even think about actually going, um, directly to the first tee. So 
as I get them, that might, that might be an easier route, but it's, it's pretty cool that, you know, to hand them over to the kids or hand them to the parents and they're shocked. They're like, what do you want for them? I'm like, I just want somebody to play golf. I, I don't, I don't want anything for them. Yeah. It's, it's all about letting the kids have fun growing the game and letting them learn life skills. Cause like I, you guys know that, I mean, you're your own referee out there, which you are in life. So learning how to call a penalty on yourself out on the course, it's going to transfer later in life. How many sports can you do that in? Not Joel, many. I don't, I don't know many of my friends that'll do that now. <laughs> <laughs> they should have started younger. You know? yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of guys that, that, that somehow miraculously always find their ball. <laughs> ah, when it's 50 yards into the woods. Yeah. Yeah, and he, like, we don't want to name drop us in the air or anything like that. <laughs> so, if you, if where do these kids get to go? I, I don't know if it's different up in your neck of the woods, but I hardly ever, and I mean ever. There, there's a few courses. Uh, we've got a little place called Ot, not far from my house, and. Um, it's got some really short par threes. It's still 18 holes, but it's, you know, it's just a, a small course. And I see kids out there every once in a while, but I feel like that people, my age guys, my age really get locked up in pace of play. And it's really hard to get juniors out there. And it's really hard for a golf course to say, Hey, drop out tee times for whatever three hours. So we can get these kids out to play. So that I think mm-hmm. that's been the the toughest thing for me, or at least around in my area, to, to figure out how these kids are even getting out to try. We you know we don't have a ton of par three courses around here, but even those generally are always packed with adults. Hate to say it, but like just going back to like first tee, uh, this last summer, and I've been doing it this winter too because um, my simulator, I, I have a FlightScope X three, and. Um, the GS pro software, that new software has, have you ever heard of operation 36? No. So operation 36 is, I I think it was started for juniors, but uh, honestly, I have some beginner golfers that are adults that we we do it with, but it makes it super fun. And I was doing this out on the course um, and it keeps pace of play up and everything. So what it is, is you're going to go out, you're going to play nine holes. Every hole is a par four. I don't care what the hole is. It's a par four. Um, And you're going to start at 25 yards out from the center of the green. So I'll take these kids out. I have my range finder. I walk up, laser it. I'm 25 yards from the pin, drop their ball. They're going to hit that ball. And their goal is to get it in the hole in four shots from 25 yards out. Um, But the thing is, you got to do all nine holes and shoot a 36 or better. So once you do that, shoot 36, you just shot par. So you're ingraining, Hey, I can shoot par and the positive mental part of it gets ingrained. So once you do that at 25 yards out, you move to 50 yards. Once you do that at 50 yards, you move to 75, then a hundred, 150, 200, 250, three, 350. Now, when you get to the longer yardage, of course, when you get to a par three out on the course, it's going to be shorter than 350. Um, so you would just use whatever the back T is. So just by sticking to like, these are the designated T's you have to tee off from. That's bullshit. 
uh, like when I got my boys started, we'd go play the uh, local municipal course and I'd drop their ball out in the middle of fairway 50 yards out. They're, they're seven. They don't need to play the tees that are 350 yards out on a par right. five. Right. And, and I mean, if you have an adult with them that knows the game, let people play through. So what if it takes three hours for you and the kids to play nine holes? Who cares? Just let everybody play through. And like, it, it's just one of those things where you kind of work with what you have. But that Operation 36, it just got up, updated onto GS Pro within the last couple months. So like, I'll take my launch monitor and my computer to First Tee and we just set up in the net inside and we're playing Operation 36 for two hours. Yeah, that's. I think that's a great idea. I just I've uh, grown to just detest pace of play. I mean, I, I understand that you know it's it's like we've lost the the joy of actually getting out and playing golf anymore. It's it's just a let's see how quick we can get around USGA. You know, they they started out with the you know we've almost wiped out gender basically from all the tees and age for that matter. It's generally just you know you have whatever yeah. four, four tee boxes. And no matter what, it seems like when you go out and play, I mean, people are just in such a damn hurry. I mean, nobody, honestly, nobody wants to be out in the summer and play a five hour round. Uh, that's, that's not what I'm getting at. <laughs> but I I was telling the story the other day. I was playing at uh, Hickory Stick. I was walking and I had a foursome that was behind me in carts and I had a twosome in front of me and it was a father and son. And these guys roll up to me and I'm like, Hey man, what's going on? I go, nothing. I said, do I need to let you guys play through? He goes, no, nah, man, we're, you know, we're, we're having a hard time keeping up with you, but we're just yeah. see that you keep bottleneck. And I said, well, there's a, a man and his teaching a son out there. And I said, how I'm not going to head into that. I'm, you know, I'm not going to bother them. They're like, well, we'll drive up there. And I'm like, why? You know what I mean? How, how is it, how are we ever going to progress? If the, the only thing this kid's ever going to remember is he's, four beer drinking guys come up giving their dad a load of crap about not playing fast enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, and honestly from in that situation, if you're the dad, the kid, I mean, let them play through. doesn't hurt my feelings. If I'm out with my boys and I got four guys that are scratch players coming up really quick. Okay. Play on through, go for it. I'm enjoying the, the time with my kids. <laughs> so I, I think it kind of goes both ways um, and just kind of have that mutual understanding for pace of play. Um, but I, I know a lot of people don't. So I, yeah. it's kind of one of those things you got to, you can say, well, this will fix it and it'll fix some situations, but not all. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of it, and I don't know how John feels about this, but my perspective is a lot of these courses anymore are um, trying to get, as many people on the course, and I understand that they need to make money. I know everything's pretty expensive right now. And depending on the course, they may be paying for city water. I mean, there's, there's a multitude of sure. things that could be costing a course, but at the same time, I think a lot of it is if you have a starter and maybe one or possibly two Rangers aside, but with the starter, if they go, Hey, your tea times at 345 not 343 not 347 and you know how the course plays i think that alleviates 
a lot of trouble. Granted, if you have a kid out there playing, you know, I took my daughter. I did the same thing you did. I just told them they're like, are she playing from the tees? I'm like, no, dude, we're going to get like <laughs> 40 yards up and I'm going to let her hit up there and give it a shot. And then we're, I'm going to let her putt. But, I, you know, I'm not I'm not out there to she's not playing the full 18. Hell, she probably won't even last the full 18. But, you know, I think a lot could be could be taken care of with that. I mean, don't you think, John? Yeah, I mean, I, I was fortunate. You know, my dad was a golfer, and so, like, he would go to work and drop me off at the course, although I lived in northwest Indiana, close to Joel. And, you know, during the week, there wasn't a whole lot of people out in the golf course, and that was at a time where, you know, I was 10, 12 years old, and me and a couple buddies, he would drop us off. We'd golf all day long, you know, but the rules <laughs> were. the same way. You know, it was like $150 for a membership a year at Beachwood uh, Golf Course in LaPorte drop us off and the pro out there at the time would say just make sure every time you're on a green you're fixing two divots you know uh you're replacing all all your divots in the fairway uh go have a good time you know dad would give you five bucks today i don't know if that's as acceptable to do just to drop them off without supervision but i also think it's where you live definitely tough i think here in indy i know a lot of dads that bring their kids out with them, but they'll pick, you know, he'll get off work a little early, go out to the course at like three on a Tuesday afternoon, or they'll go out later at like seven, and just go play six holes, five holes. And they just kind of tool around at these, I would call them not probably highly desired courses just to play. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think maybe, maybe it's just cause I've had some bad experiences. I've been at a, another course. I mean, I won't, uh, name drop them because it really wasn't the course's fault but uh there was three kids that were out in front of me and i was just i was walking again and these guys were getting pretty upset when they'd roll up on me and i'm just sitting there waiting and they're like well you know kind of what are you waiting on i said well these I, there's kids up here they're just over by these trees and they're like well they need to hurry up blah 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 and they're they're blowing them some crap and blow, you know me some crap basically and i said well let me just uh I'll just catch up with them. And I said, I'll play along with them and you guys play through. So yeah, simple I, as that. Well, I get up there yeah. with them and I tell the kids, Hey, hold on. I'm going to let these guys play through and I'll play out with you guys. And they're like, Oh, you know, that, that'd be fine. That one was a, I don't know. They were probably 12 and the oldest one might've been 13, but they go by and they're still got a little bit of an attitude and we end up catching them, which is funny enough. We're, we're probably on the, about the 15th hole and we're right on top of them. And then they're upset because now we're on top of them and they're they're They start basically drop some profanity. And I, you know, I say, Hey man, these are just kids. Just, just move on. We're not, we're not in any rush, you know? So they end up going up and saying something to the pro as we're coming off 18 and the pro comes over and talks to me. And oddly enough, the oldest kid there was the pro's son. So the kid's like, oh no, that's not what happened at all. You know, and tells the pro this is exactly what happened. He goes over and chastises these guys that I'm standing there. And I'm like, I just ask him, I'm like, how, I said, you know, how is this, how you're going to act with young kids that are trying to get into the game? What can you, what can you possibly have scheduled that needs you to have this attitude and, and play with a fury and yet we're catching you and we're on foot, you know, and they, they have no answer for that. They just, rah, rah, you know, and drive off in the cart to load their clubs up. But I just, I just find it ridiculous anymore, you know, not to just vent yeah. about nothing, but it's just, it, uh, it drives me insane really. Yeah. You yeah. can't fix stupid Steve. You know what I mean? 
it happens. Like we were at a private retirement community, you know, just retirement community. These guys have nothing else better to do besides, you know, complain and bitch. It's like, you guys are living your high life <laughs> out on this course. You guys golf every single day, play pickleball, go to the sauna, hot tub. What's there to complain about? Like they just need something to complain. You're not going to be able to fix that. Just yeah. You can't they live their life. Yep. I, and I found too, honestly, getting the, uh, the kids into like the simulators um they love it it's like a video game and especially like some of the ones that have like the restaurants and stuff you get big order of fries and they just have a blast having fun and then you don't have to worry about anybody else too and i mean yeah plus all the different games that they can play now i mean they don't just have to go out and play nine holes you can do uh like the target practice and everything out get your wedges dialed and get them ready Yep. Well, and that, and yeah. I that that's something I would like to see. I mean, I know in the winter, um, it's prime. Simulators are prime, and I know golf courses need to make money. I don't know how these other venues, like uh, shout out to Five Iron and places like that, but you know, it'd be nice to see um, local golf courses like we have Southern Dunes. They got they got three three bays it, it would be great to see them in the summer open that up to juniors to come in because i mean let's be honest man they the, these things are priced like you're you're playing around a golf anyway and i that's that's getting in the way but i mean i just want to see the the younger kids getting out there and playing and have the time and i just don't want to see parents have to come in and go okay what's well, you know it's 120 bucks for you to hit balls at a screen for whatever two and a half right. hours you know what i mean yeah i just can't find where that initiative is because that that's stuff that me and john and i know you joel that we could really get down with to to try to push something like that but i just i just don't see it i think everybody most of these courses are just so driven to have to make money and i get it i i, I, yeah. I truly understand it but i've just been racking my brain of, of how we can do better and get more involved as you know as we grow as a, a podcast and all the stuff we're looking to do that's why like i try and help out where i can if i can get a set of clubs and make them crazy cool and we auction them off for 395 versus 100 bucks that 395 dollars covers the first tee to cover greens fees and time on sim and all this kind of stuff so like that's where I think like just being able to give back not only helps the kids, but also helps the, the group itself of first tee to be able to get those kids, those opportunities. Right. I think that's hitting the nail on the head. It's just do what you can. If everybody just put in a little bit of time or a little bit of effort and some money, like, you know, it's like paying it forward. He doubles and doubles and doubles. Yeah. Yep. As we close it up here, Joel, is there, is there anything that we can do? How can we boost your business? We're, we're, we're very appreciative that you would come on the air with us and, you know, we're, we're just starting out and me and John have kind of made a goal that we want to help all our people, um, you know, help you grow your business. Cause with you grow, we grow and what can we do? Obviously we're going to post all your stuff, um, I don't know if that's enough, but we'd really want to help get your name out there. You've done a lot. Uh, I mean, a tremendous amount um, for me, like I mentioned, for the the Grover outing that we're involved in every year. You know, you provided the 
the ball markers for that. Um, like John, he mentioned the divot tools and, um, you've made bag tags for us with their laser on there with the QR codes. We've, we've had you do, do all this stuff and it's all turned out amazing. And, uh, we would just like to help promote you, bud. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that. And, um, honestly, it's the biggest help is just word of mouth. If you help post pictures and, and tag just eponymous on Facebook and Instagram, that just helps create more people seeing it. And, um, I mean, we've, we've had posts from three years ago, still get, you know, a couple hundred hits in a day. It'll just be something random. Somebody like, Oh, that's cool. And like it. And then all of a sudden I have all these other people seeing it. So just being able to, to help us out by getting it out there is just a big help in itself. And like I said, I'm, I'm more than happy to help for, for good causes. And yeah, that's, that's all, all I can ask for. So I really do appreciate getting us on and, and helping us out any way you can too. I, I tell you what, just thinking about this, John, um, Joel, I think what would be a great idea is, uh, when you don't have 14 inches of snow on the ground, um, maybe me and John set up to come up there and, uh, basically shoot a video, have you on there. Maybe we go through a, um, a fitting, maybe you could do a, you know, if we could kind of get some video, you doing some of your custom stuff to put on our YouTube channel and, yeah, um, for sure. do things like that. And, you know, maybe give us some of those super sharp grooves, uh, so we can spin our yeah. ball back. Finally, that'd be cool. <laughs> John, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I mean, the way the way my wedges are set up, I'm probably going to need to do that wedge fitting sooner than later. So let's hope the snow melts. <laughs> yeah, I, I i would i i would I would love to do that. I mean, especially now when it's it's cooler out or cold out, and you know when when there is a little bit of break, man, I I think that's a great idea. Um, me and John or will will get with you and schedule something and get up there and. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I mean, I could, I, Joel, I could honestly use all the help I could get because basically the guy I was talking to about teaching, he was, he basically said, maybe I'm left handed. So anything, <laughs> any, we may, we may have to try something. Well, we do a little adjustment, a bag mapping, and we tweak some lofts and lies, and it will take the equipment you have in hand to the best it can be for what you have it, it takes variables out of it so now right. you wouldn't have to wonder oh did i pull that because it, it my lies too upright well you know it's not now so i'm more than happy to do that with you guys and yeah, be pretty so, cool to to get it filmed and and post it for you so basically it comes down that i'm the factor i don't know that i want <laughs> well joe we, we really appreciate your time and I'm I'm appreciative of everything you do, and I'm very thankful that I that I uh, came in contact with you. And uh, like I said, man, I, I I can't say enough about you and the work you do, and it, it's it's just amazing, and it's it's great to see you keep growing your business and doing more, especially doing more in something that you love, and uh, you can tell that you love it and that you're into it, and now that makes that makes all the difference. So, John, you got anything in closing? I think you said it best, buddy. So just appreciate you and uh, can't wait to get another round in the golf with you this year. Yeah, for sure. Sounds great. I appreciate having me on. All right, boys. It was a good talk and uh, we'll do it again soon. Sounds good. See ya. <laughs>